Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Let's take a moment and welcome our first time guest here to Hillside. We are so excited to have you here joining us. If you're online or you're in person, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. When you leave, we have a special treat for you. So stop at our Next, step, next Steps table and uh, pick up a goodie bag. It's, it's got some treats in there for you. Uh, you'll be blessed. So <clears throat> Pastor Paul asked me if I would share the message this week. And um, in my form and fashion, my response was absolutely. Uh, you know, if you were blessed to hear last week's message, he spoke on um, his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? And so today, I'm going to be talking about Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Savior. Now, have you noticed that kind of when we watch movies, uh, we tend to be drawn to those movies where life is kind of happening, things are happening, chaos, destruction, a crisis happen, and then there's always some kind of superhero or some type of savior, right? We love those, come in, swoop in, save the day, right? We're drawn to those. And I ask myself, I wonder why. I wonder why, as a society, we just love those. I think it's because deep down in our hearts, we know without a doubt that we need a savior, right? So I'm going to be sharing, uh, I'll read this scripture here. It's in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and I'll go through verse 24. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So what is in a name? Right? What is in a name? Have, have, you, have you ever asked, I wonder why I was named that? Right? Maybe, maybe you don't know. Or maybe there's some awesome elaborate story about how you were named with your name. Well, when it comes to naming children... Parents do it a couple of different ways. Some of them read baby name books. Uh, they choose a name based on meaning. Others choose, others choose a name that's kind of in line with the parent's name. I'll give you an example. Uh, a friend of mine that I used to work with up in Indianapolis, his name was Jason. His wife's name was Julie. Their son's name was Jacob. Their daughter's name was Jasmine, the J-J-J-J deal. Right? I mean, there's a lot of planning in that. You've got to date somebody that has that. Like, if that's your plan, 
I believe, I believe there's a family here with all bees. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass them, but... But others choose names that really make no sense. Now, I'm going to share a story with you, though. I don't know it's true. It could be an urban legend, but just bear with me. There was a couple whose child's name was Famali. The child's name was Famali. The couple was asked how they chose such an unusual name. The mother said, well, we, we didn't name her. The nurses at the hospital did. When they brought us back to her for the first time, her name was on the little wristband. Famali Jones. We liked it, so we decided to keep it. So the person said, well, how do you spell that? She said, exactly like it sounds. F-E-M-A-L-E. Famali. <laughs> now in the Bible, there is a great deal of significance to a name. Eve gave birth to her son and called him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel, right? We all know the story of Cain and Abel. And that takes place in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. The word Seth means granted. It was common for a child to be giving a name with contextual significance. When Rebecca gave birth to her twins, one was hairy, and the other one came out of the womb grasping at the heel of the other. She named the first one Esau, which means hairy, and Jacob, which means he grabs the heel. Oftentimes, the child lives up to their name. For example, the name Jacob, he grabs the heel, was a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. You all have probably heard Jacob the deceiver, right? So later, when Jacob stole his brother's birthright, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. And that's Genesis chapter 27, verse 35. Now, later on in Jacob's life, after spending years running from God and wrestling with God, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Israel means struggles with God or wrestler of God. Now, we also see this in the New Testament as well. When Jesus told Simon, whose name was he who hears, was changed to Peter, which means rock. And in Matthew 16, 18, it says, And I tell, that you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Now Jesus, Matthew 121, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. According to Jesus, he came into the world for one, we, one reason. He states in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He came to be our Savior. He came to be our Savior. He came to save us from our sins. And not only the penalty 
of our sins, but the freedom from bondage of sin. Right? There's twofold, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but there's more to just being saved from your sins. Jesus forgives us of our sins. Each one of us has sinned, right? Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who has not sinned. None. We've built up a long list of sins, offenses against God, right? That's what breaks our relationship with him. And we're not talking just about sins against other people because anytime you sin against a person, you are sinning against God. If we were to stand before God and try to get into heaven on our own merits, which I used to think that that was possible, we'd never make it. We, we would never make it into heaven. We'd never know how many good deeds is enough. How much would I have to do to make up for the last sin or, or the next sin or the next wrong thought, whether those were big or little sins, right? Because we like to categorize those. Well, it's, it's just a small one, right? I remember saying, um, <clears throat> my grandma taught me that Joshua, white lies are still lies, <laughs> regardless of how you want to, regardless of what kind of sin they've piled up against us. Now, imagine this. Imagine you've got your driver's license. Who here has never broken a law when it comes to driving a vehicle? Ever. Ever, ever. Okay, we've got a point over here. <clears throat> so let's say, let's say in order to renew your driver's license, you have to go to the BMV and you stand in front of them and they pull your record. Now, mind you, everywhere that you drive, your car communicates to the BMV. There's all kinds of things. The BMV knows if you went half a mile over. The BMV knows if you turned too sharp, if you cut somebody off, if you tailgated. All these offenses, right? You stand in front of them to get your driver's license renewed. How many of you here are going to be walking to work from now on? <laughs> And that's the way it is with sin in our life. Even if you're an excellent driver, you're still not good enough to meet the standard of perfection. There is only one who was perfect. Only one. And that's why Jesus came into the world. He came to forgive our sins. This means he takes them off our record. He wipes our slate clean and he takes on our sinfulness himself. I'm going to read to you in Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 3. <clears throat> he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, 
Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He took all that on himself for the good of us. Mm. And Jesus not only wants to forgive your sin, he wants to take it out of your life. He not only wipes your driving record clean, he teaches us how to drive. Right? That's important. Sin presents a dual problem in our lives. On one hand, it separates us from God. And on the other, it destroys our life. Jesus solves both of those problems. He forgives us our sins, and he delivers us from our sin. All right, now imagine a person drowning in the middle of the ocean. And someone comes along and throws him a life preserver. He's no longer at risk of drowning. But all he can do is float in the middle of the ocean, hanging on to that life preserver. He's no longer at risk of drowning, um, but he's still powerless over the water. If all Jesus did was forgive us of our sins, it would be like he threw us a life preserver just to keep us from drowning, but never help us get back to land. When Jesus came to save us from our sins, he came to do both. He forgives us and he empowers us to live a holy life and victory over sin. And you know how it feels to be powerless over sin. I do. I 100% know wholeheartedly what it means to feel, to feel powerless over sin. Trying to do it on my own trying to get out of these sin patterns, trying to get out of this rut that I've created myself over and over and over and over and not surrendering to the one that I called Savior because he has the power to pull me from that sin pattern. But I have to surrender to him. Those sins that we struggle with that are stronger than you, but they are not stronger than God. He has the power to help you overcome sin. Mm. Jesus came into the world to be our Savior, to save us from our sins. That means Jesus takes away the penalty of the sin, He takes away the power of the sin, and He takes away the presence of sin. He is our Savior. He's our Savior. And you know, I was talking about the movie, right, where crisis happens and, and there's destruction and things are falling apart and it's crumbling around you. And oftentimes, we see our lives as that movie playing out, right? Like everything's going okay and then boom, destruction. And we're like, oh, and like in the movies, he shows up, S on his chest. 
And Jesus has that S on his chest because he is our Savior. But you know the problem, at least for me, and maybe some of y'all can connect with me here. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I see that S and I think, yes. But then I get closer and that S is sinner in need of a Savior. Maybe you're trying to wear that suit, but it doesn't fit you because you weren't called to carry the weight of your sin. You weren't called to pull yourself alone out of your sin problem. We're not that strong. But how many of us try to be? How many of us try to be the hero of our own story? I did. I did for a long time, and boy, was I exhausted. Man, I kept thinking, boy, today is going to be the day. I'm going to pull myself out of addiction today. Today is going to be the day. That day wasn't the day. The next day I did it. The next day I'm going to do it. The next day I'm going to do it. I'm doing it today. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm white-knuckling it. I'm strong. I can do this. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And year after year after year after year, it was just destroying me. And it didn't come until I realized, whew, I am completely powerless over this. Lord, years ago, I asked you into my heart and I asked you to save me. I asked you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. And I took the suit that you wear with the S on your chest and I tried to put it on. Today I take it off. Today I lay at the foot of the cross to say, God, I accept 100% what you did to me and I surrender. I surrender because I can't do this anymore. I had to come up out of that grave Joshua, come out. Joshua, come out. And on the other side of that, boy, he saved me. He did. He saved me so much. And he can do the same for you. And maybe you don't struggle with addiction. Maybe your struggle is depression. Maybe your struggle is anxiety. Maybe your struggle is sorrow, is grief, is hurt, is anger. Maybe your sorrow is one of those things. Jesus can save you from those too. You've got to surrender and let go because he is our savior. He loves you too much to leave you where you are because once, you, once you're done with the tomb, once you're done being in there, caved, and dead, the life that he's calling you to is so much more than anything that you could dream or imagine or ask for. I promise you. I promise you the life on the other side of that stone is overwhelmingly good. It's so good. Like they said earlier, we were talking about his good and pleasing will. His perfect will. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will for your life. And that first step is 
crying out with your voice and believing in your heart that he is Lord and Savior and that he came to do what he promised he would do before any of us were even thought of or born, way before, before the earth was formed, before all that. He already knew what he was going to do through his son Jesus, that he was going to send him to save us, that all we have to do is just accept. You know, Christmas is a dawn of a new age. It is the breaking through of salvation once and for all through the person of Jesus Christ. It's amazing grace entering into the darkness of humanity compelled by love. God's love for us is so great. And he wants that fellowship with you. But it is only through the one Jesus Christ. Because he states that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. That no one shall come to the Father except through him. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? I don't know. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know the battles that you're facing. I don't know if you're white knuckling it. I don't know if you're like I was and waking up every day saying, today's going to be different. I'm going to conquer it today. I'm going to be my own savior. And yet you've tried it for weeks or you've tried it for months or you've tried it for years or you've tried it for decades. And every single day, it's the exact same thing. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is saying, come out. Come out. Allow me to save you because that's what I came to do. That's what I came to do. Jesus is our Savior. I pray today if, if even any, any just one of you doesn't know that. Or maybe, maybe you've given your life to Christ and it's, and it's been a while. I had a realization when I was preparing and, and praying for this. You know, we used the term that um, people say, I, I, I'm going to rededicate my life to Christ. And that's awesome and I love it. But I had a realization, and this is for me, but if it speaks to you, praise God. I have to rededicate my life to Christ every single day. Because if I don't, I put myself back in the driver's seat. And you know what's going to happen when I do that? I'm going to end back in that path of destruction over and over again. But I want to live in that abundant life that he has for me. The blessings, the joy, just the communion and fellowship that I get to have with him each and every day. So today, if, if you find yourself in any of those situations, maybe you've never taken the opportunity to say, Jesus, I want you to be Savior of my life. In a moment, I'll, I'll lead us in a prayer. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you've got some sin patterns, or you've got some areas of your life where you need to let control and give it to him so that he can take it away, so that you're able to come out and experience this abundant life that he has for you on the other side of the stone. I don't know where you're at today, but I pray that if God spoke to you in any shape, form, or fashion, that you take that action. Right? If it, we're going to have our prayer team up here shortly. And if it's you want to pray or you need prayer, I encourage you, take that step. Take that step forward and receive. 
Receive all that Jesus has for you in this life here on earth. Prayer team, I'll ask you to come up. And I'm just going to pray, everybody, uh, eyes closed, heads bowed. And uh, you can just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I confess that I am a sinner. God, I know there's nothing that I can do to right the relationship with you on my own. Lord, I accept what you did on the cross. That you took my sins upon yourself so that I may have a right relationship with you. I confess that you are Lord and Savior over my life. God, I die to self today and I live a life with you. Please forgive me for where I fail you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. If today you said that prayer and it was the first time, please come up and get prayer. Today, if you're struggling with a sin pattern or you, you're powerless over whatever that area of your life is and you need prayer, please come forward. Whatever, we're here for you. We want to lift you up. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you. We want to fellowship with you. Because we're all about reaching people and building lives. And that's done arm in arm, side by side, and that's what we want to be for you. Prayer team to the right and left. So if you